This episode of Harmonious Gentlemen is brought to you by Blind Man Brewing, makers of craft beer in central Alberta. Say hi to Hans. He's biked across Canada. Harmonious Gentlemen. 17 has long been my favorite prime number, and this is our 17th episode. Mm -hmm. The Harmonious Gentlemen, podcasting from Lacombe. My name's Chris. I'm Graham. I'm Tyler. And I'm Dana. And Dana, uh, who are you? Uh, I am a the only pastor at Woody Nook Christian Reformed Church. I've lived in Lacombe for five and a half years. Nice. Yeah. And have lived in many different places. So this and is home now. You're an awesome pastor. Because my wife and I attend that church, as you guys know. Yeah. And you guys don't. We don't. But no. I do know you're an awesome pastor. So yes. Welcome. Thank Judging you. by your voice, you sound like a woman. I am. And yes. you're a pastor. How does that work? Oh, um, jumping right quite in fine. Here. Quite fine. <laughs> I'm just joking. Yeah. <laughs> We've broken through those barriers before in the show. <laughs> <laughs> I did listen to your one on gender. So yeah, well, it's awesome to have you. Yeah, very um, good. Cool. Well, it's been a, like, I, I will quickly just apologize for the last episode having such a long gap, the one before this. And so hopefully if you're hearing this, this came a lot quicker than the last one, but you know, life gets in the way, you know? Yeah. Nobody's holding it against you. No. Producer extraordinaire. Some people are. Graham. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't think we have any emails to read today. So please send us emails because it's such a bummer to not have feedback. (laughs) I assume everyone's really happy with everything, but. That's what you assume when you don't hear anything. Mm -hmm. I'm surprised no one has opinions on what you talk about. It's true. I know. Sometimes you hear them in person though. Have you heard from in person from anybody since the last one? Uh, I haven't for a little bit. No. Anyone? Yeah. Not that I recall. Well, this is going to be when they get the response, I think, hey? Yeah, I think right. we should just, whoever emails us with like a, a clear disagreement with something that we've said, should we should get them something. If someone says, hey, I strongly disagree with what you said, most likely it'll be Chris. But That's um, a good chance. Just, just send that email and we'll get you something. We promise. I like it. I'm on board. Recommendations? Dana, do you have one for us? I hear toast is good All right, with we'll, butter. Oh boy, we're jumping right in. Okay. The way we do it, Dan, is we listen to a jingle first. <laughs> I was just preparing you. No, but that's a good yeah. teaser. I spent a lot of time on these, so <laughs> quick break. <laughs> so Dana, just before the break there, you mentioned something about toast and butter, and I'm really intrigued by just the possibilities of your recommendation here. Do you want to expand on the toast? Um, I lived with, uh, well, my roommate when I lived in Vancouver loved toast. And so she would put toast in the toaster, bread in the toaster. And she would go to her room, which was around the hallway. And as soon as it popped up, she would run from her room at high speed to the toaster, pull it out and slather it with butter. And ever since then, toast with slathered butter. And if you need a help, then you take like that, uh, yeah, just like a lot. Mm. If you take like those Dutch cheese graters oh, and then you haven't like softened your butter prior to it, wow, you I like, you, awesome. you really slice it and then so you like put it on. like a slice of butter. Yeah, a slice of There's butter. There's nothing worse than it not being able to, it's too hard to spread the perfect. Exactly. Wow. And then you stick it on top and you put the thing on top of the toaster and you it down. Let it heat up from the bottom if it's uh, struggling. I don't even have to add a sound effect kind of to the yeah. podcast. That's perfect. Yeah. Oh, she, wow. Yeah. That really lived up to my 
like expectations. I thought you were kind of joking with toast. I, well, it was. A, yeah, I was a little sarcastic when I said I was intrigued, but that was really good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good imagery. I'm gonna yeah. go. I'm gonna use that actually. Yeah, it's wow. really great. I want to thank Hans Du for recommending <laughs> Dana to the podcast yeah, at this right. point because this was his recommendation. One We've of kind our, of already gotten our money's worth. One of our many sponsors. So thank you, Hans, for that. Yeah. Dana, do you have a, a different recommendation you want to maybe just shoot out there besides just toast? Um, there's a guy named Scott Erickson who uh, is doing some theology and art stuff. He does stuff on Instagram and has a show called Say Yes that's coming to Calgary. He's from Seattle area and he's just, he's really interesting trying to get you to think spiritually through art and random things that he says. Awesome. That'd be up my alley. Chad Erickson. Scott. Scott Erickson. Erickson. <laughs> Who's Chad Erickson? I know why he <laughs> works with <laughs> Chad Erickson. I'm like surprised he does that. Shout out. Okay. Cool. Thanks. Chris, what do you got for us? Well, I've recently got into the habit of keeping succulents mm -hmm. and it's kind of become a problem, perhaps, if you were to ask my wife. Um, just little cactus and other succulent type plants all over my house. Very fun to keep. They all look a little different. The recommendation is, is to is to get some in your house. Okay. How do you yeah. keep them alive inside though? Because mine always like shoot up long shoots and then die. Okay, so I've got the long shoots. I'm clipping them off and starting new plants. Oh. And then it kind of keeps them miniature. A student gave me a, a little cactus my first year teaching as a gift. Still alive? And then nine years later, just last year, Harvey knocked it over and <gasps> broke it in half. No. Yeah. But you could probably have two now. I tried. It didn't really oh, work shoot. out. Oh, shoot. Yeah. Had it gotten quite big? It was. It was. It was noticeable, yeah. Succulents. I'm already there, man. <laughs> and I got a book yesterday at Chapters because it was 30% off for teachers. So oh, now I'm into more care of and propagation of said plants. <laughs> awesome. Tyler, what do you <laughs> Well, I don't know if I can top those two, but mine uh, has to do with how to prepare coffee, but more specifically how to prepare coffee that's not very good coffee. Hmm. I recently hmm. ran out of uh, my normal supply and I had to crack into a bag that's been sitting in my pantry for a long time and it was pre-ground and kind of dried out and not not the greatest but I had heard this thing about just mixing in cinnamon hmm. with the coffee grounds before you brew it so I tried that and it it was pretty good it improved the yeah, taste it of the takes bad away coffee. kind of the sourness or the yeah like I, I like good coffee just like the, the flavors of coffee. So you don't need to disguise that. But if you do have a coffee where you do need to. So like how old was this bag? Well, a year. Oh. It, it, but it's that old? Ground, I don't but know. it's pre-ground. Yeah. yeah. And, oh, right. Yeah. When we're off the air, I'll tell you where I got it. Um. So thanks, Ty. Yeah. <laughs> when Peter was here once, he recommended a book called The Graveyard Book by Neil Gaiman. Mm -hmm. And uh, I read it and it was so awesome. So thank you, Peter. I love that book. So that was, I'm re-recommending it because now one of the real gentlemen. It's worth it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Don't no, worry. He doesn't listen if he's not on it. <laughs> it's true. He doesn't. Um, it's awesome. And then another book, quick, quick book, if you, it's pretty popular. It's called The Alchemist and it's about um, kind of spiritual fulfillment. And, uh, but it's this a cool story. Paulo Coelho or whatever. Yeah. It, it's, uh, I don't know the name of the guy. I couldn't, He's a prolific author, like he's yeah. famous. And it's not like, a, this is not like a corner of your bookstore book. Like it's very famous, The Alchemist. Yeah. But it's cool. Yeah. I read the graphic novel after and it was awful. 
There's an alchemist graphic novel? There is. And most of the book is just conversations. I can't really so imagine just, how that would look. It's just page after page of people talking to each other. Yeah. So I don't know why they would use that. So, Okay. Mm-hmm. Those are our recommendations. So Dana, you're our guest. And you have an idea of what we can maybe launch off with our discussion tonight. Yeah. So I am a pastor. I am a woman. That's generally not super common. But one of the questions that has... Uh, been around for me over the past little while is how oftentimes men are ones, even though they've been the ones leading church and who have engaged in spirituality throughout the ages, there's often been this um, lack of spiritual engagement from men, or oftentimes the church struggles to keep men in, in, or engaged, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, And in the 17 or 1800s, I forget my professor told me this. So if I'm misquoting history, forgive me, blame it on her. Um, but it is very much that, uh, in the 17 or 1800s in England, there was this huge wave of men who left the church and didn't actually come. And so one of the ways that they tried to keep them engaged was to make the YMCA, um, and to use sports as a way of keeping men in faith. And so I guess because you're three men, um, kind of wondering, Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, kind of wondering, yeah, what keeps you in faith? What does spirituality mean to you? How do you, yeah, do you perceive it differently as a female? Those sorts of things. Mm. Um, well, I'm glad you just <laughs> come on and <laughs> get right to it. That's sweet. All right. I think I need a segment break. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we'll come right back. <laughs> Um, so when I was in seminary, we had a class called women's spirituality, um, or women's faith development sort of thing. And, um, there was never an equivalent of male spirituality or men's faith growth classes at all. And in part, that's because, um, I think that men and male spirituality has dominated the church and theology and writing and thought throughout many of our histories. Um, So I guess I'm wondering how you stay rooted in faith and um, how you develop your faith. A lot of the times men seem to be more um, logical and theological, um, wanting those explanations, but that doesn't always resonate for men either. So wondering, yeah, how do you stay rooted? Why do you care? Man, those are good questions. I've never really thought of it as like a gender specific thing. Like I can, I can respond to your question about, is it logical? And I, I'm maybe less logical when it comes to spiritual matters. I don't know if that's, but I've never thought of that as a masculine or not a masculine thing. I like thinking kind of with lots of questions and and philosophically about, about Mm -hmm. my faith. Um, Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I've never really thought about there being a more male way of approaching it. So I need to think a little more. I've always been super like trying to reason things. Like I remember like, um, mere Christianity, CS Lewis was like the whole first part of that is just like logistically thinking like this, then this, then this trying to, I I think that's what that the book was mere Christianity. Yeah, And that was one of the first times when I was younger where I I actually was 
like could buy in a little bit. Like I was like, this, this makes sense to me. Like I just like, I like being logical. I like being realistic. I like, yeah. So I, I don't see it. I never saw it as a gender sort of thing, but I, you, you, your question made me think about men who have been preached to by men mm-hmm. their whole lives yeah. and then having a woman, uh, teaching. And if that, yeah, I know for me, um, I, I don't think it was a big change, uh, but maybe for others it was. Did you, I mean. Yeah, I didn't, I, like, did I receive Yeah, like, did you think people were a little bit, like, didn't receive the, the, those teaching moments as well? Or I don't know how to, what I'm trying yeah. to say, but. No, I, I haven't received feedback in that regard. I don't know what happens around the dinner tables after church on Sundays. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I haven't really had that. Would you say though, like when you're talking about that, that class you had, would it be, um, more the case for women that they're perceiving like more through their feelings and their emotions? That's how they're sensing spirituality or growing in it. And for men, it's more of a logical, like, is it a left brain, right brain kind of thing? Uh, Do you think? Or yeah. I don't know that I would necessarily frame it that way because as soon as you get into stereotypes like that, it's everyone can bend those stereotypes, especially like if you look at some of the really spiritual writings by spiritual, I mean like less logical, like less Tim Keller, less, um, mere Christianity. Yeah. Yeah, Like they're good people and they write good. They write well. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, but, um, there's also people like Henry Nowen and the guy who started Larsh and, um, those sorts of that kind of spirituality. And there are a lot of men who were writing, but the interesting thing to me was that they're writing very similar things to Brené Brown. And now Brené Brown, who's like distilled some of the Christian thought out of it Mm -hmm. is super popular, but she's saying the same things as some of these men. And these men are popular in certain segments of the world and of Christian thought, but they're not like, it's like the emotional kind of side of things. Yeah. Yeah, But they're not commonly received. And is it because they're too, um, too Hmm. kind, too compassionate, um, that they don't necessarily resonate. Um, too Christ-like as it were. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, Christ was pretty political too, but (laughs) You get an election. Uh, no, funny with my recommendation earlier with the alchemist. Um, I recommended it because I think people will like it, but it was too, for me, it was like, I could see that it would be, a, it was a well-written, but it was too spiritual for me to really grasp onto the concepts. Like it wasn't, huh. I guess I use the word logical lots, but yeah. Kind of hit me like you saying this. It's like, I shouldn't have recommended that book because personally it didn't really resonate with me, but I think it would others. I think part of the reason I'm, having trouble tracking this conversation is because it seems like you guys are separating, separating out logical from spiritual, mm-hmm. but is those can't coexist in a, Oh, I like see explain to me how those are different or not. Well, it was like a sliding scale. Maybe? Side like, of I don't the, know, like, so someone like Richard Rohrer, um, and would say something along the lines of that. There's like the first part of your, like you should grow from, trying to figure everything out through black and white and logic, um, that you eventually, I I think, I hope I'm representing him correctly. And then you would move through that phase into, um, uh, into something more mysticism. Yeah. More mystical kind of thing. Um, and there's also stages of faith development that I think Fowler has talked about. And he would say that there's a progression as well mm-hmm. that you shouldn't remain necessarily, not that logic is bad, but that you would grow. Mm-hmm. Um, like that's the starting it. point. Yeah. 
I need to grow, I think. But actually, I found in my own spiritual journey that I think I started out logical and loved that and moved, or I mean the other way around, sorry, in a mystical sort of feeling, sensing kind of way in worship and moved towards the logical. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm the opposite. Like I used to love like mere Christianity, and I still do actually, Um, but that's what I'd be drawn to. And now, like you mentioned Richard Rohr, like that was one of my recent recommendations was his daily Mm-hmm. some like a email thing he sends out but like that's where I'm at now is definitely more on the mystical side of things and but I guess what I'm still wondering about is the like is the that course you talked about mm-hmm. is that to try to empower women within the the church because they've their voices haven't been heard or like what's mm-hmm. the like, is that, would that be a reason why there wasn't a, like a male counterpart to that course? Yeah. I'm not sure. Um, as you're asking the question, I'm trying to think of like one of the things that, um, like, so there's this whole section in theology of like feminist hermeneutics, which is the way of looking and interpreting scripture through the eyes of women. Mm -hmm. Um, and so there are always stories like I preached on uh, Shifra and Pua from Exodus 1. But um, generally, we don't hear stories of women other than Mary and maybe Esther and maybe Ruth. But there's tons of women throughout scripture. So in part, it's to do that kind of thing, to bring to light that. But I think also in feminist kind of hermeneutics, there is this idea that you bring yourself to it. So as a woman, I have a different lens of seeing the world's than you might. And just from your experiences, not necessarily just my gender. So I think in some ways it was an experience of trying to distill. Yeah. How, how are we seeing it? So even in feminist hermeneutics, as well as in psychology, you get that idea that you have to root yourself or like kind of declare what your biases are before you're allowed to start talking. Um, (laughs) Which often I find um, in others like um, theology that isn't written by women uh, or people of minorities, then uh, there's never a rooting of the theologian in their bias and from their place of culture and who they are. So I think in some ways it's about exposing um, where you're coming from. Right. Um, so in that, in that train of thought that like women, feminist, uh, theologians root themselves in their tradition and in their experiences and where they're coming from based on your experience and who you are and your gender, because at some level that plays a part in it. Why do you stay engaged in church? Why do you stay engaged in faith? Um, and this is a question I wouldn't mind hearing from more men because I'm a woman and I don't understand your experience of life as well. Um, we were in a church going family growing up and then my mom, uh, started going and, and she led the charge, like all of us kicking and screaming. So in our household, there was one woman and four men Hmm. and she began the process for everyone and it was not easy and it was definitely, yeah, so that was my beginnings was mm-hmm. it was very much like my it was my mom's thing and her friends and and I don't know if in my mind like gender was at the forefront of it but it yeah it's interesting that the mom the the mother in the in the family was 
what started that off for all of us. And then of course things got complicated with my mom and dad as things, I think because my dad won't go into it, but like things didn't go well recently with them, but he, I think he, um, was never into, into any of it. Like for real, it was just playing a role Hmm. Mm -hmm. the whole time. But for some time he went along with it. Oh, he did sound in church. He was involved in plays, like completely involved in in the church in, in many, many ways. And then in the end, it was, it was, I don't really know, but it, it seems like it was just playing along. And I wonder how many, not to gender stereotype, but how many male, you know, males, that's kind of what they do. They just go along with it, mm. you know. But it's not, it's not necessarily their thing, but they're right keeping their wife happy kind of. Or whatever. I, I, and I don't know, like, I know for me, like, yeah, I, I, we wouldn't go to church a lot more if it was up to me. Like, I'm usually the one saying, ah, let's just do something else today. And mm-hmm. You know, so my own personal experience is the woman, you know, kind of making the point to go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's definitely the stereotype. Like if there was a, the office, but the church, like a TV, like that would be the stereotype, right? Like the, the yeah. mom dragging the, the, the husband to church. <laughs> yeah. Um, Marge Simpson style. Right. Yeah. Um, but what, like, I think I value the, like just tradition and, and the, support for family that church offers. Um, I don't know. And we talked about this in our last episode a little bit that I can get to use Peter's language, like spiritually fed in other ways, not necessarily just on Sundays. Yeah. Right. And just in church, but I still think there's a family dynamic in going to church and a community that's important to belong to. Um, and I want my kids to experience that. Like I had a positive experience in church growing up. So I guess like for my personally, like that's, I don't want to continue that. Like I'm, even though I don't always love it and maybe I would be quicker to skip church than my wife. I still see a lot of value in it. If you didn't have kids, do you think it'd be different? Um, I don't know. Like bringing kids to church, it totally changes the experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you're it certainly does. In the nursery like, half the time. Yeah. Right. And that was, in a way, that was a reason, like having kids was kind of like, what's the point of going to church? Because mm-hmm. we're not, we're in the nursery or we're walking around with a baby out in the back or like we're not even getting the sermon, which is before kids, that was kind of why, yeah. the part I did enjoy. And now... I feel like going to church for my kids. Right. That is, liturgy of just repetition of right. being there and being part of it. Right. So I don't know if that really answers the question, but. Mm-hmm. I Like, you know, the man should be the head of the household, you know, that kind of stuff. I think of my own parents who both just had such an equal role in our faith development as kids. And I always really respected how that happened in my own upbringing. Um, but we've gone through times like you guys are talking about where one of us kind of thinks, oh, this isn't the time in our life where church is all that. But we're both at a point now where, yeah, we just don't miss. We love going. And um, I think a byproduct of that is your kids see it and are hopefully part of your attendance when you do go. Um, but it, it seems like one of us is, you know, if we drop the responsibility factor a little, the other picks it up. and So you see no sort of gender stereotypes kind of at all well, really in your upbringing or even now, like it's just. I mean, probably there are in term, in the way we experience things or w- the parts of worship that we enjoy or connect to that there probably are, but overall in the, like the importance of church, I don't, 
I think we're both we're both there, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. at different times. Mm-hmm. So for the two of you that were a little bit less excited potentially to go, at least at this point in your life, um, what is it that if church like would offer a different way of spirituality or a different mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. engagement? Um, what kind of engagement? What kind of um, liturgy? just meaning like the thing that we're doing together mm-hmm. would be helpful, um, to, uh, root you and interest, uh, you or help you grow. Well, I don't want to criticize the church that you're the pastor at. I'm part of a system. <laughs> a lot of things happened before I showed up. I've never really thought about that, Dana. That's a really good question. Um, sometimes it's simple stuff like just too much music, mm-hmm. which is weird cause I'm a musician, but sometimes it's like, I just, it's a lot and it becomes a little bit numbing. Um, that's just a minor preference thing though, really. Um, I'd have to have one of you guys talk for a second and think deeply about like what I could actually. Uh, yeah. Uh, for us, like we, we attended a church. Well, Ty and I go to the same church. It's pretty small. There's only about maybe 120 people max on a Sunday. Yeah. Um, there's not like a lot of flash or like there's not a huge youth program or there's not a big, you know, there's not, none of those big programs or mm-hmm. kind of fancy things to draw you in. And it, for our family, that just hasn't been what would have connected us. It's, I think it is the community aspect of it. Everybody knows everybody. Yeah. You want to connect with those people on a Sunday. Uh, you want to hear the word preached. You want, we, we definitely would have like a worship style, I think, in our musical preferences and in the way we pray and those kind of things that I'm comfortable with. But if that changed a little, and I think it has over the years, yeah. I'd be like, Oh, we're trying something different. Mm-hmm. So, and two of you for sure have talked about community and mm-hmm. how that keeps you there, which is great. But, and community does show us the face of God. I would say that Ken. Mm-hmm. Um, but in coming to church, do you feel or sense or think about really how that's forming and shaping your faith or how you're growing with God? Like, does it really affect your spiritual well-being? Well, hmm. there's, I can think of a difference just personally between me, like between me and my wife, Krista. She's at home with uh, the kids right mm-hmm. now and I'm working full time. And so I'm already engaged in a community on a daily basis. Um, And then I play team sports and like, so I I feel like I get community engagement in many ways, whereas Krista's community engagement comes on Sundays and being involved with um, like children's ministries and things like that. And so I don't know if... Yeah, like I don't see that as really a bad thing, but that might explain maybe the difference in engagement maybe, like that I don't get as much out of the community at church because I'm getting that community somewhere else. And we talked about that in the last episode too, is is maybe they're, maybe that's not the best thing, but it might explain why I'm less mm-hmm. eager to engage in, in community mm-hmm. there. Yeah. So then beyond the community though, for you, is there a way that being at church or something in that moment of being there helps deepen or open a window to see the God reality or, um, well, I still like now 
my kids are getting to a point now where I can listen to a sermon. So like <laughs> that, that part of, of church has become more and more, um, meaningful, I think mm-hmm. for me, like that's, and I still, there's still Sundays where I'm in, in nursery or, or something happens where there's distractions and things like that. But the part of church that I look forward to is, is the sermon. More than the sacraments. Well, I enjoy that too. I guess I, I should say the, the whole, um, I don't know what you want to call it. The, like I enjoy when we have like Lord's Supper and sermon, like that whole, I don't want to call it a routine. But the ritual the, of the it, ritual, yeah, that's a better the word. drama. That's a way better word. But I, I do <laughs> like I, I do that. Like that's yeah. the part I I enjoy. Yeah. Um, which I guess is is more personal and less. It's still in community, but it's not about. Yeah, it's yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't, it's not the fellowship afterwards. Yeah. It's the the ritual. Do you guys ever feel this, this, we can cut this out if it's dumb, but do you ever feel like you kind of wish that your, like your neighbors were more of your church community than, do you know what I mean? Like the people you live really close to can be so disconnected sure. to you. Yeah. And yet your and our community is like half an hour drive out from where I live. Yeah. Well, I'm driving into your city. Yeah. And you're driving. Yeah, I know. What into the doing? county of my city. Yeah. I, yeah. you said about you and Chris, there's a lot like Heidi and I, um, at Woody Nook at the end of church, there's a lot of people there and I'm often just like, let's get the kids and go. They're running around. I can't really connect with people in that moment very well. I know maybe it looks like I'm disinterested, but that's not really it. I just, I have a hard time wanting to just sort of sit in that moment and, and talk with people and be challenged in conversations and all those types of things. I just kind of, the kids make it kind of nuts sometimes. You just want to go. So I do kind of miss Maybe not miss, but yeah, I kind of wish there was more. I mean, there's reality of having little kids. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. What, what can I say? Like yeah, it's different when they're, when they're not there. For sure. You know, yeah. so when I think about community right now, I don't think of it being a super tight, intentional community at my church right now. Um, just because of the realities of our life and, and how far away the church from our home is as well. Um, mm-hmm. And is there but, something for you? So part of my question is, so John Wesley always talked about how, like my heart was strangely warmed uh, in this idea that like um, he felt something or that there was, yeah, some curtain pulled back that he could see through or many men, Mm. theologians talk about that kind of reality, that something is pulled back and you're able to see and grow in your understanding of who God is in, um, in uh, feeling God's presence. I don't even know what that means really, but uh, it's kind of nebulous, but <laughs> the, right. Like, is there something about church itself or programmatically that is helps you get to those sorts of moments where you're challenged or where everything that you thought you knew is like deconstructed um, those sorts of things. A good, a good sermon. I guess. I don't think I have those kinds of feelings any mm-hmm. other time. Well, I've, I'm kind of thinking on the fly here, but I'm wondering if for me it's like separating kids from it. Mm-hmm. Like if I can be separate from my kids, I can experience the warm fuzzies a little <laughs> more. Whereas, and this and this might bring it back to a gender thing. I've been really trying to think about the like the gender specific part of it like 
I think, and I'm speaking on her behalf, that Krista, my wife, would have the warm fuzzies more in interacting with our kids um, spiritually, which, yeah, I've never really thought of it that way. But I think for me, those moments when I am feeling close with God is is when the kids aren't there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe not always, but like... That's interesting. When it comes to being at church and, and thinking, yeah. And that makes sense to me because there, I mean, even in the whole mind, mindfulness movement that's happening, but even in like the branch of spiritual growth um, that the church fathers have done, they talk about being in the present moment and being able to remain there. And when you're distracted as much as you might love your children or love the person sitting next to you who's sneezing, like if you're distracted and you can't remain present, it's hard to pay attention to what's going on inside of you or what's going on around you. I remember from like a really young age, we attended a Presbyterian church when I was a kid. And so wooden pews, um, and our family took up like half a pew. But if, if it was Christmas and my uncles and aunts and grandparents were all there, we'd take up two full pews. And I remember thinking, even like when I was maybe six or seven, it's okay to come back now, Jesus, we're all kind of together and ready Mm -hmm. for you. And I, as a little kid, I had that and I still have that sort of, I don't know what you'd call that nostalgia when, you know, if I'm in church on Christmas Eve and all my kids are there and my parents are there, or whatever, that same sort of like, oh, this is what's right about church just being, and it, it isn't like the music or the, the words. It's just the dude, Christmas Eve church, you're nailing it. That's, I get that feeling. <laughs> that's the warm fuzzies right there. Yeah. So yeah, if that's yeah. warm fuzzies or. A completeness. It's sort of like, yeah. this is how it's supposed to be. So yeah. you used the word Kingdom-ish. in the last episode, you said shalomish. Shalomish. Yeah. I think that's that very good, shalomish. Yeah. It'd be a good deli, deli meat. <laughs> <laughs> shalomish salami. So gross. So Dana, we've uh-huh. really been appreciating like just the the theology that you bring to our episode. We, I mean, sometimes we have Peter here, but even even he isn't that smart. So, <laughs> like, sorry, Peter. <laughs> we just really appreciate oh, I it. Peter. I have I just have one question that I've been really thinking about, and mm-hmm. like, why? Like, what do you have against guys? <laughs> like. <laughs> Like why is oh. yeah that's that's it like what's wrong with it's guys? a pretty easy question right yeah, yeah I mean it really keep it short if possible makes sense yeah huh okay awkward pause we don't want you to actually go there do we no I don't no. really have anything no, against men no, of course not. <laughs> it was just more that you have a different experience of life than than but me. why why is our experience <laughs> the worst experience. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we, we took no classes on male spirituality. I think that's why. Right. Yeah, that's where it all started. Um, how about this, Dana? Hmm. Question. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm noticing in worship songs that uh, God is usually spoken of as a man. Mm-hmm. Sorry, not usually, every single time. Mm-hmm. And almost every single song. Yeah. Why is this awesome? <laughs> <laughs> oh, why is it awesome? Well, it is one of the biblical ways that we talk about God mm-hmm. is through male imagery, like father and shepherd. I doubt there were many female shepherds back in the day. Amongst other images, oh, king, mm-hmm. lord. 
Yeah, what else? Right. Can you think of anything else? Do you say shepherds? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so there is like a biblical precedent for talking about God as a man, as well as Jesus. We say that Jesus was a man. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually in scripture, God is spirit. And there's lots of, there's a crazy imagery like God is a rock who gives birth. How about a mother hen who shelters under his wings? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow, this is breaking some ground. And uh, the spirit uh, in the Old Testament is actually in the Hebrew is a feminine, is feminine. So it's like in French when you have the masculine feminine stuff in the Old Testament, it's feminine. Hmm. Um, And I think in some places in the New Testament, it might be neuter for the spirit, but often it's translated in, in English, it's translated to male. And like, I don't, like what you're saying right now isn't shocking. I don't no, think. Is I don't it think like so. people, no. if humans come from are made in God's image, it's going to take men and women to make up his image. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I said his. Yep. Oh, I didn't think you about, noticed and I didn't even think about it. I didn't think about this too much until we were just talking um, in the break there about like the books that we read our kids. And I mentioned a book where uh, God is this guy called Eli, this big, strong, muscly white guy with a beard. And I never really thought, like I was reading it to Harvey and I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. Like it hit me differently when I was reading it to my son, I think a little bit. Hmm. I'm like teaching him almost like this is what God looks like. Mm -hmm. So I quickly quickly grabbed a different book, Dada by Jimmy Fallon and moved on. (laughs) But (laughs) I mean, that's always been our westernized view like of just a guy, white guy with a beard. But maybe can we can we change that though? Can we change yeah. that? I I have no like I listen to some music and I've actually showed students lyrics where it refers to God as a woman or I've read stuff at at school in devotion settings and things like that. And some kids just have a hard time with it. But like I I'm totally good with it. I I actually like the variety, like I like, I would love it if it was more balanced, um, or more neutral. Like I, I like Yahweh, like, mm-hmm. like I, I wish we used that name more often. Um, but I don't know what the solution is. Like, is the solution to only expose our kids to feminine pronouns for God or no. is it to expose to both and have no. conversation about it? I think there's like wisdom in the Jewish tradition, which says that you're not actually supposed to pronounce God's Mm. name. So Yahweh is not one that you would really use. You would substitute it with a different image. So you choose a different image from scripture to say like, whatever. Mm. I can't think of anything. So is that where those metaphors came from? King, shepherd, Lord? I'm not sure exactly. But there is like, there's many, probably more from the Christian tradition. But there is like lots of different imagery in scripture that you could use instead of simply men uh, or a male image. And I think it's important because your image of God is what informs your practice. So a lot of um, there's been study groups, especially with women because of women's spirituality, um, who have experienced abuse at the hands of a man, for instance, Mm -hmm. and to talk. And this isn't surprising, but to talk about God as a father, for instance, if your father has abused you or for a man, if your father has abused you, um, it's harder to use that imagery and maybe in time you can, but, um, in that moment you might need a different handle to hold on to. And there might be a lot of people who don't 
like when I we say what's the solution, like some people don't think it's a problem. Yeah. Like the people who that's the way it that's is. That's right. Yeah. And and they like that. And this discussion image. might be a problem. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. That's right. fine. Yeah. And you don't have to agree with that, but send us your haiku. Disagreeing. Masculine is three syllables. So there's three <laughs> done right there. <laughs> Toxic mask. <laughs> that works. There's a um, lot of worship songs to change the words for then. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. Hmm. Well, Between there's, everything with being he and I. Yeah. There's a lot to a right. lot. edit. Hmm. Get on it, Brian Dirksen. Like, is it more changing the... Like, we read other, not even spiritual books, but just books that are not... Oh, the way they speak in the books wouldn't be appropriate or contextually, like, yeah, appropriate to read or to like talk that way now, but we still read them knowing the context. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, mm. so with those songs written, uh, do we need to worry about changing them or is it just a conversation about context mm-hmm. that we need to have? Like, cause the, the people doing a lot of the translating were in a different context, right? Like there's, so you, we can all kind of see why it became, masculinized is that right but like yeah i don't know if reversing that changes anything it's more of a recognizing context and talking about it differently so maybe not changing the lyrics of the songs but yeah I don't, I don't, singing different songs i don't really mean literally to do that no but some songs aren't worth saving right that's what <laughs> I, mean. I mean i mean more like yeah but the <laughs> thing is that those songs don't it really exist or you can find songs about masculine contributions to faith, like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, those are whatever. But rarely will you find, there's a big discussion amongst some pastors recently. They couldn't find a single song about women contributions to faith, except for Mary, right? Um, and There's a lot of songs about Mary. Yeah, but that's pretty much But that's it. it. And I like I would almost agree with you, except that one of the questions I would have is that when you think about your experience of how your image of God or your um, understanding of yourself yeah. with God well, has come into play. It's formed by those songs. Is it, yeah, mostly formed by those songs. Those are the things you remember. Sure. Um, you don't really remember as good of a sermon as I could preach. You're not going to remember it on Monday morning. Hmm. Right. Right. Generally. You're just being conditioned over years and years and years. And that's why you're you're just comfortable there. But what's interesting is like a return to the original text. You're saying like if it's how the Jewish tradition was or the early Christian tradition, Mm -hmm. we might actually be returning to something that was... Yeah. So it's not about getting it right the first time. It's not like progressively new. It's actually just going further back. Yeah. 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 And well, the interesting thing too is that when you do communion or Lord's Supper, oftentimes you'll see a man standing behind the table. And when we get ordained, one of the things is that you're supposed to be representing God. And behind the table, Mm -hmm. you're representing God because God is the host. Jesus is the host. And so um, when only a man stands behind it, what are you saying about God's image, right? right? So one of the things I've always appreciated about working with a man is that we both stand behind the table Hmm. yeah, to represent a fuller image of... You guys should just put like a sheet over and put like holes for your eyes. (laughs) Like a ghost. (laughs) Spirit. (laughs) Holy spirit. (laughs) 
Yeah, sometimes change isn't always good. <laughs> I've always wanted on Pentecost to wear one of those large headdresses yes. that they wore to the what, at the Modern Museum of Art that all those actresses and actors go to and they dress up real crazy. Yeah, yeah. there's Please. a woman. Who What's did stopping that. you? I would have a fit. No, okay. Okay. I was gonna say men, but uh, <laughs> no, they'd just like kidding, to see it. kidding. Hmm. So are we done? <laughs> I'm thinking maybe. I have a lot to think about. Yeah. We should probably pause it. Tyler, are you thinking? Well, I could keep going. Like, oh. I well, like we can try. We could cut this out if we don't want to do it. But with uh, like, is the reason we have? Did you pause it? I just put a marker so oh. we can know to. Okay. <laughs> it's an editing thing. It's okay. Um. Is the reason we have such like masculine imagery of God and and uh, we have God because we've wanted to simplify it? Like, is it that a lot of Christians aren't beyond the? You're saying the kids? men are more simple? No, just like Christians are maybe not beyond the kids' Bible version of God. Mm. Right? We need we need the God to look like something, so it needs to be men or male or female. Whereas, like maybe we just need to move beyond that level of understanding and then it doesn't need to be one way or the other. That's kind of the way I, I'm thinking of this. Like I don't think of God as when you think of the image of God, I don't think of a male with a white beard mm-hmm. or a woman. Mm-hmm. I think of creation. Like I think of all matter. Like I think of just everything. Mm-hmm. Right. But, that's taken me years to get to that point. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I still am unsure and I'm still thinking about things. So is it that most or not most, but like that just Christianity in many ways isn't beyond the children's Bible. Yeah, that could be like, I get hung up on the fact that we're image bearers. So something of us and what, like I can only see the physical part, right? That might be the logical part I don't the the spiritual part I don't really know how to imagine that or or put context to that so maybe for that reason I think if I'm an image bearer then God has to have some kind of an image so it would be humanoid and because I'm a man I picture him as a man I don't know maybe it's that simple too well and even even simpler like Jesus was a man right and that's in our vernacular, and that's what we like. It's it's very easy to make that connection. Jesus was a man. God's a man. Beard. There's three of them. The Done. Holy Spirit must be two. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's it's an easier connection to make when. Those are all bad. Yeah, that's bad theology. But it's maybe why it's. Well, happening. no, I am just saying. Like, yeah. Yeah. But Jesus also calls God Father, right? So there are like mm. some of those things. Mm. Right. And is that a translation thing that you, that's been uh, Not that I know of. Or, but oh, okay. Yeah. Like our father who art in heaven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Like there are those sorts of things. So you can't totally take away that image. It's just that even when you say Yahweh, it means I am what I am or I will be what I will be. Um, and so it's trying to, there's many, many essays written on it, but mm-hmm. some of them will talk about how it's, I am the beginning and end of existence. Like, 
I am all that exists or it's the mystery of it. And so if you only have one image of God, then it doesn't really encapsulate that. And it might be interesting to go around and ask people what their image of God Mm -hmm. is, because I think that it's probably not as simple as that. Right. But yeah. Well, there's, we, I think we represent, we don't represent all perspectives on this. Like I've talked to a few people. That's our motto. (laughs) (laughs) It's easy to be harmonious. Yeah, exactly. Um, but like, I know like churches split over Mm -hmm. some of this stuff. Right. And, um, people would use the, the, use scripture to argue that God is male. I've heard, like, I've heard that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. So Mm -hmm. we know those perspectives are out there. Mm Yeah. Yeah. Dana, how would you shut them down? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I would try. (laughs) No. No, there is like in all things, like even, uh, yeah, in all things, there's this uh, grace that exists too, right? For where someone else is at and and the process that it will take them to go where they need to be. Can you give the harmonious gentleman some advice? Because we like to talk about things that are sometimes contentious in a way that... Um, helps you to kind of have compassion for the other viewpoint. So as a pastor, I'm guessing you must come upon that kind of a situation a lot. Mm -hmm. What are like, what's a way to kind of keep that in mind or to hold that while you're talking about something that might drive you nuts Mm -hmm. if you were to be totally honest. (laughs) Do you have any advice? Yeah. I think just remembering, I think in some ways remembering where that person comes from and what they're rooted in and their experience because their experience is different than yours and remembering that your reaction tells you more about you than it does about them. Mm. Mm. So why is it that you are reacting? Why is it that you feel the need to defend your position? God requires me to be a defender. (laughs) (laughs) You're not God's soldier. Well, I hope that, uh, hands do for quests to have Dana on again yes. one day. We can lead them to do I that. I very much enjoyed talking to you, Dana, tonight. Thanks. Thanks lovely. for having me. It's yeah. been fun. Um, if you want to stick around, Dana, for confessions, it's mm. usually a little bit crazy. Are you willing to go there? Sure. I've All heard right. a lot of yours, so. Yikes. <laughs> 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 All right. So for our confessions, I'll begin with my confession. Um, If you heard last week's episode, you heard me talk about how I used a um, cloth to clean the bathroom and toilet and then left it out for Heidi to use for the children (laughs) in the bathtub. And I forgot about that (laughs) one. And then didn't tell her. That was my confession last week. And then listeners don't know this, but I actually had another confession that I shared with you guys. Mm -hmm. But when I edited the episode, I edited it out because I was so embarrassed and it was another parenting failure. And maybe next time I'll share it again. So my confession is that I edited it out because I felt so bad mm. that I was a bad parent twice. It so, was that good of a confession. I think the second one that I cut out was actually worse than the first one. I mean, you guys can, uh, you were there. Yeah. I think yeah. it's good you space them out. <laughs> yeah. And then Peter, <laughs> yeah, Peter made fun of me and, and, and told me I was a bad parent. So anyway, I took it out 
And so that's my confession. Sorry, guys. I think you have creative license as the editor to just that's my job. take care of that. Yeah. Who's next? That makes sense. I'll go next. So I told you my recommendation was to buy succulents because they really spruce up your home. Um, when I went to Vancouver Island by myself this summer, my wife was at home, my wife, Shanna, and I sneakily bought some succulents cause she was thinking I was getting too many. <laughs> so, but I, I couldn't help it cause we stopped at this amazing greenhouse that had all these varieties I had never seen before. So my plan was to buy them and then get my mom to drive them home and then like present them as a gift to me. <laughs> and my mom agreed to do this, but then she forgot them when they left. So I ended up having to take them home myself and blew my whole cover. So my oh. confession is just that I sneakily bought them and got caught right away. You were going to lie about it. <laughs> well, bend the truth a little. Yeah. <laughs> Succulents. Where does this come from all of a sudden? I do not this know, but it's like a raging hobby. And I just love it. <laughs> Did you know that there's a black market for succulents? That doesn't surprise me. Yeah, I they go into the that. desert and they, t- they dig oh. them up and then they sell them. Are you serious? I don't That's like that I've too heard. much, but. I don't know Ooh. if it was fake news. But, but where can I get the them? website? <laughs> <laughs> because there's probably some I don't have yet. Wow. So I think we know where to get Chris for Christmas this oh, year. Oh, yeah. Right? I'm in. And they're cheap. They're like four bucks. Yeah, that's my kind of gift. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know. Mine too. <laughs> nice. All right. So I, my, I signed up for a membership at a new gym, and they had a big Whoa. grand opening celebration. And I, I already had a membership, so I was only going because I knew they had prizes you they told me you could pop balloons and in one of the balloons um there'd be a free year's membership so i went like purely for the chance of getting that one prize but was it only open to the brand new members well it was like an open house like to the public and they had food and they had so you had the right to be there oh yeah totally yeah um but i but i went there to to get that that specific prize and so I, I was there with Herschel and he, he, I asked him to pick a balloon and he popped it. And I won like a slouchy, like toque, like, like a branded snap fitness toque, like the worst prize <laughs> you could get. And this old, well, this older That's woman bad. was sitting at, at the table drinking coffee and she's like, oh, I won. What's this? Like 12 months free membership. Oh man. And I was so grumpy. Like I That's think my she, balloon. Do you like, trade her? I, well, I said, oh, that, you're so lucky. Like that's the one I really wanted. Like just in the back of my head thinking maybe she'll be like, oh, you're a sweet little young guy. (laughs) (laughs) You look cute in that too. But anyways, that's not even the confession was that I was really frustrated. They had protein bars that you could sample. (laughs) I took two. I I took two and put them in my pocket on the way out. So I I think I was only supposed to take one. Oh, I'm sure. (laughs) But because because I only won a toque, I... This is kind of like when you felt you owe were owed that five dollars you found on the dentist floor. I think it was kind of like that. Or maybe it was ten. I think trying to make someone give you the prize that you really wanted is worse than that. (laughs) It was very like passive. It was kind of like, oh you're really lucky. You would have accepted it pretty aggressively though. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted her to like let me take a look at it. Just (laughs) run away. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And then uh, our guest tonight, Dana, has a confession. Mm -hmm. I live uh, with no one, so I can't get away <laughs> with whatever. I don't know if that's a confession so much as just a statement. The succulents? Um, no, but uh, I bought a big um, bag of Costco Miss Vicky's salt and vinegar chips, oh, and man, those, are good. those are delicious. I finished them in two sittings 
in about 24 hours. Wow. That's so impressive, actually. My mouth hurt. Yeah. 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 But nobody was there to catch me. So. Well, That's like buds. 15 potatoes. Yeah, it was a, it was <laughs> yeah, a lot. I bet it is. <laughs> <laughs> but can we just talk about how jalapeno are the best kind of Miss Vicky's or no? Mm, no? No. Okay. No. Okay. no. Good confession, Dana. Good. Yeah, that yeah. is good. Food theme. It's good. I think we should uh, each thank Dana. Thanks, Dana. Thanks, Dana. Thanks, Dana. Awesome. You're Appreciate welcome. you being here. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. If you disagree with anything she said, please email us. <laughs> uh, we'll be sure to pass it Email them first, actually. And, uh, of course, our name is harmoniousgentleman at gmail.com. Maybe we'll change that. Yeah, speaking of man. <laughs> Harmonious gentle people. Yeah. Persons. What would be more appropriate? Yeah, what would you tell us to do, Dana? Harmony. Uh, there's nothing. It's other than people. I can't think of anything. Okay. Harmonious, gentle people. It's got a nice ring. Yeah, to it, I but think it's that, super I'm pretty weird. sure that website's already taken in the yeah. Insta handle. We're feel just, like if we're you're just never going to have a female guest ever again. So <laughs> it's just easier. Or harmonious gentlemen <laughs> and, guest. and guest. And guest. <laughs> okay. Well, that's uh, that's cool. We'll be doing episode 18 next time. Cool. All right. Ooh. Any closing thoughts? Well, the Miss <laughs> the Miss Vicky's uh, <laughs> chip just made me think of uh, another a bonus confession that I have eaten chips that my kids have licked all of the salt and vinegar <laughs> off of. <laughs> so not only do you like that plain was chips, my, you that like was actually going to be like my first soggy confession. Chip. Then. Mm. Oh, Are they as version. good, like as addicting? They don't hurt your tongue as much. That's nice. Yeah. It's <laughs> actually a pretty easy. good strategy, you know, like yeah. get the hurt off on yeah. someone else. Yeah. You save saliva. It's perfect. This is Gross talk. It's like they're gearing you up for the old folks home. <laughs> I ate a baby carrot that June had in her mouth for like five minutes today, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> These are moments when I'm glad I don't have children. <laughs> okay, guys. See you later. Bye. Yeah, Bye. See you. Thanks, guys.